Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Changemaking Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. Each episode will introduce an area of technology that needs work and highlight the changemakers working on it. Join Chloe and guests as they tap into their passion about equity and rights for all. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to another episode of the Changemaking Podcast on ITSP Magazine. And today we're going to talk with the three co-founders of Respect and Security. Um, before I begin, I would like for each one of them to introduce themselves. Lisa, how about you go first? Hi, I'm Lisa Forte. I'm one of the many co-founders of Respect and Security, and I actually am a partner in a cybersecurity firm as well. Hi Chloe, I'm Nikki. I'm one of the co-founders of Respect and Security as well. I'm also the marketing manager for the UK charity, the Cyber Helpline, as well as the global channel manager from an MSSP here in the UK. And hi everyone, I'm Funda and I'm one of the co-founders at Respect and Security and I run my own uh, communications business as well. Excellent. Well, thank you all for being on here. Let's just dive right into it. What is Respect and Security? So Respect and Security is um, a group of individuals who got together as volunteers um, to come and take a stand against sort of all forms of harassment that we see uh, prevalent in the industry um, across the world uh, and across all different types of cybersecurity and information security jobs. Um, And so we got together to try and make a change, really. Yeah, and maybe to add to that, I I think, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in our industry um, and and probably across many industries, right, um, around harassment, um, you know, online bullying and and other types of harassment and you know and um, what we do about it and and a few of us just got together and thought, okay, that's um, it's all very well talking about it, but what are we actually doing about it? Like, what what can we put in place that will actually help facilitate some change? Um, I remember seeing basically your launch on Twitter. And I was extremely happy to see it. I I know for myself, and I know plenty of other wonderful people in our field have definitely dealt with some discrimination practices, some bullying, some harassment, and it's gone to a point where we have such a revolving door. And I was wondering what has been those personal turning points for you that really empowered you to form respect and security? Well, I think like for me, my personal story was as my profile grew online, I started to get more and more trolling, more and more abuse. And it culminated in people essentially actually stalking me to the supermarket and taking photos of me doing my shopping in a supermarket and then sending those with abusive or threatening messages Um, And it started to just get really out of hand. And one thing that really struck me was I reported it to the police. Um, I spoke to lawyers. I spoke to all sorts of people about what I could do and what my rights were. And really, I was quite dismayed to discover that there wasn't an awful lot I could realistically do. And I think, you know, speaking to the other co-founders, we were just sort of at a bit of a at a loss really as to, well, you know, we can't have a solution. We can't have a situation where women or men or anybody 
encounters this level of harassment or abuse and there is no solution for them other than to just put up with it. That's not okay. And that's not what we want in our industry. I think um, adding to that, I think one of the reasons, main reasons I got involved was because of Lisa. Um, We did a cyber house party uh, back in the beginning of this year. And there was a panel on there around online harassment, whether it be in the workplace or not. And it was harrowing to listen to it was it wasn't pleasant it wasn't nice and I think that that kind of thing goes on in an industry that I mentor young women to come into doesn't sit well with me I don't think that I'd be doing my job as a mentor encouraging people to come into an environment you know into an arena basically that isn't safe for them and you know quite rightly as Lisa's just said there has to be a safe passage for victims to be able to hold their perpetrators accountable um and that was my you know that was my reason for getting involved in respecting security and that's my aim to give give these people that you know are being harassed are being bullied are being you know isolated because of whatever the situation is they've got a safe passage and a transparent route to go and complain to their employers or their perpetrators employers it, it definitely I mean, hearing Lisa, hearing your story, I, <laughs> I'm really sorry that you're getting stalked and at a supermarket and all of that. I, that that's like my fear and everything. Like reason I reduced everything online and now I don't really share too much because of that kind of fear that that could possibly happen. And how can companies get involved at this point? Um, to really try to change the situation because it's so ingrained that this is all okay still for some strange reason. And then when we try to get help for it, it seems like it's an echo chamber and no action is being taken upon themselves to change it. Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, you know, the way that organizations can get involved in this in the first place is, is to really kind of, um, you know, look at what processes um, are currently in place or, or aren't in place at the moment for, for any potential victims of harassment to be able to step forward and um, share their story, but importantly, also be heard, right? And for that to be taken seriously and for there to be processes uh, then in place to, to then, you know, take, take action based, based on those incidents. So, um, what we're asking all organizations to do is to take our pledge, which um, basically commits them to a number of um, kind of, um, I guess, points that they need to address. You know, some of them uh, are a commitment to, to, you know, working hard to eliminate all types of harassment, to, to have, um, you know, some of these processes become more visible to everybody um, in the workplace and to, work towards, you know, um, having inclusivity at the forefront of their minds and to actually empower people to step forward um, without, and importantly, step forward without kind of fear of, you know, what will happen to me if I if I speak out? Will I lose my job? Will I ever be able to work in this industry again? You know, should I just stay quiet? So there are a number of things that organisations can publicly commit uh, to, I guess, addressing and um, and by you know and and taking the pledge to to actually address these things and, and and you know we are currently looking at ways in which we can then revisit those um, I guess pledges to see you know what what changes have actually taken place since those organisations have said yes you know we commit to making these changes yes we commit to 
creating workplaces that are uh, that are um, free of um, you know anxiety and fear. I think I think what um, funders just said is is really really important, and I think that changing a culture of a company isn't a small thing. It's not something that you can change overnight. And I think the, the really great thing about respect and security is that we are going straight to the top. And we all know that, you know, behaviours within culture, especially within a workplace, are learned from leadership. So if we can do it from the top down, um, and then we've also got the individual pledge as well, which is obviously individuals within companies taking them, you know, hopefully, you know, they will all meet in the middle and it will just provide a much more inclusive culture, you know, within the security industry for people to, you know, thrive and work in. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you hear of folks going into the office and then experiencing uh, harassment from their boss and then not knowing who to go to. And then when you're seeking for help, that it becomes such an issue. And I, I think you are completely right about changing the company culture. This is like that first step where companies take the pledge and then, you know, they have to have ownership that they will make sure that they will take the following um actions if something were to occur um do you guys follow up with them after they sign the pledge so obviously we've only we only launched the end of july so i think the plan is now um we're putting together a framework around you know what what processes now do we follow how how do we quantify you know whether these companies have actually you know stepped up to the bar and they are making changes and something that's been really positive for me in the last two weeks there's a company that have taken the pledge and I've actually heard from two employees about change that's actually happened there. And the company, the organisation that took the pledge, they're actually holding themselves accountable on social media and saying what changes they've made, what they have done wrong in the past, what they're trying to do now. And to hear employees from that company saying that they've seen a positive change from it after just two months is absolutely phenomenal. So I think if we can carry that on, we just need to, you know, now we need to sort of mature and grow the pledge and, look at the level of commitment that the employees the employers that have taken the pledge are actually given to it um and i think that's the beauty of the pledge itself it's very transparent and it's very open and it's very out there so as an organization to actually take that pledge put it on your, you know put it on your website advertise it around the whole company you'd be you'd be kind of silly really not to carry out what you've committed to doing because you could be called out at any time and we all know that reputational damage yeah is catastrophic especially in this industry and I think the other thing, you know, that we've had we've had some people who are unsure of the purpose and how we're carrying things out. And there is an argument, as there is with all voluntary organizations of this nature, that perhaps we're encouraging vigilantism. And the reason we set this up with the company pledge in the way that we have is because firstly, we believe that the employer is perhaps the most um, sort of competent and perhaps capable organization to look into any allegations of harassment or abuse. But secondly, you know, employer, employers have are bound by employment law in whatever country that they are um, headquartered in. 
and they'll have procedures for dealing with incidents. And that may well be that they sit down with the employee and they talk to them about their behavior and it's resolved in some other way. We are not mandating that, you know, you get a report in from somebody and you immediately have to suspend and fire that employee. That's not for us to determine. That's for the employer to determine. So all the the pledges is taking um, a public stand to say that they will take this seriously. We are not mandating that they have to act in specific ways that's still very much up to the employer so we are not at all proactively doing these things we it's a passive way of trying to improve the situation and increase accountability yeah and, and i think to, to add to lisa's point you know there may be some people there that may, you know maybe some people who are being slightly cynical and saying well you know who says that organizations are not taking this seriously and um, we did actually when we first launched and ahead of launch, just to kind of, you know, get a feel for where we're at within the industry, we launched um, some independent research amongst, um, you know, men, women, non-binary groups um, to determine, you know, what what is what are people's experiences out there? And obviously it was an anonymous survey and it was independent. And, um, you know, the, the feedback was, was very clear. I mean, it was over a third of us in this industry had experienced some sort of harassment and while, you know, a huge majority said, oh, yeah, you know, my organization has some sort of anti-harassment policy in place, you know, nearly half said, actually, they could do a lot more in, in telling us what this actually is. You know, what, what does that look like? And, and, and also, what do you, as an organization that I work for, for example, define as acceptable behavior and what isn't acceptable behavior, right? That is a, that is a big kind of area that needs to be uh, clarified. So, um, so that, you know, we sort of had those stats or in mind when we kind of went about setting up the pledge and, and you know, asked companies to commit to it. So the next question I have for you is what are your goals for right now? And then what's your goals within two years time? So it's quite funny because when we launched we actually picked a, a number, I think it was 50 pledges that we wanted. And we th- we said, it would be great, wouldn't it be fantastic if by December, by the end of this year, we hit 50 pledges. And I think we're now at almost 80. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic. We've already smashed our first, uh, our first goal. Um, so I think one of the key things we really, really want to do is to encourage more companies to take the pledge. And this isn't just cybersecurity companies, cybersecurity service providers. This is also end users. Anyone who hires a SOC, for example, or um, in any information security individuals, people who are in our industry, if they're employed in your company, this is something you can do. This is a pledge you can take. In fact, we have pledges on our website from companies that are law firms, for instance, that, you know, whose business is not cybersecurity. So it's open to any company. And we really, really strongly hope we can get more people involved and more companies involved in taking the pledge. So that's one of our goals. 100% Lisa. And I think as well, you know, our next, our next plan is obviously we would like to have a board of advisors, um, whether that's going to be called a board, it's very formal. I don't know. So obviously we need to look at that. We want the board to be diverse. Um, and you know to represent all all areas of cybersecurity. Um, and the other thing I think we're going to start looking at doing town hall events where you know we can have people come and talk, whether that be victims 
whether that be people that, you know, have taken the pledge and realised errors of their ways, that kind of thing. We really, we really want the whole community to be involved in this. We, you know, we're all very busy people. All of the co-founders are very busy people uh, and have lots going on. We felt this was important enough, though, to, you know, take time out and to put this together. We want it to be for the whole community and we want the whole community involved. And I think it's important to remember as well from the community that harassment takes very, you know, many, many different forms. And I think as an individual taking the pledge, we have to be conscious of the fact that what I might perceive as funny and a laugh, the person sat next to me might find offensive. That that isn't necessary. That doesn't make the person that said it a perpetrator. It just means the perpetrator needs to understand their audience more or the perpetrator needs to understand the impact of what they're saying. So the more feedback that we can get from individuals, especially, is paramount to where we take now you know, respect and security, what journey we go on, what, you know, what can we be doing better? How can we change the framework that we're laying out for organisations, you know, to benefit more, you know, victims of, you know, any kind of abuse within security? Um, so I think short term, that's the plan. Long term? That is a very good question. Um, well, I think, I mean, I think to add to the short term, maybe and into longer term, um, you know, we obviously that we we don't want this to be a, a one way um, street either. So we're, we're looking very much looking forward to getting some feedback from organisations as to how we can evolve the pledge. You know, what is working, what isn't, and you know, I think what's important to us as well is that we like to guide both individuals and organisations to places where they can seek more um you know whether it's support or information or assets and things like that because there are obviously organizations out there and they're different in each country or region um you know that are very much specialized in in certain areas of supporting victims for example and you know we, we don't ever claim to be experts in that but we would like to be able to facilitate and to guide both organizations and individuals i guess to the right places yeah, definitely. And off the back of what Thunder just said as well, it's really important from us as well to hear back from organisations, whether they've taken the pledge yet or they're, you know, they're thinking about it or they haven't yet taken the pledge, you know, come and talk to us and give us feedback of, you know, what you're struggling with. You know, if you've got sort of a slightly toxic culture and you're aware that you've got that in your organisation, come and speak to us and, you know, we can thrash it out with you. We can help you thrash it out. Why is it? Why is it like this? You know, what changes can we make so that we can, you know, competently take the pledge and with conviction? Um, so, yeah, it's all about feedback. We, we've done it for the community, for the whole security community. So, you know, everybody's input is really important to us. I absolutely love how much of incorporating having that feedback loop that basically all of you are discussing. That is so incredibly important, especially for something so sensitive of nature as this in many ways. And also hearing that, you know, since you guys launched, you, you just launched fairly recently and already there's companies that are like apologizing for bad behavior and taking on actions and being public about it which I feel like that's one of the things that we need to do more of is to acknowledge our mistakes and then move on from it. I think when we hide from our mistakes, they come crawling back in many ways and it becomes like a repetitive pattern in many ways when it comes to companies. So it's all great to hear that respect and security is, is really is starting that conversation, having this conversation start of why we need to do this. Um, now, my... I was wondering how can conferences get involved 
because that's another issue that you know many of us in the industry have experienced is that we have dealt with situations where we felt unease or unsafe uh, when attending conferences. Yeah, so we actually have, uh, if you go onto our website, you can view the companies that have already taken the pledge. Their logos are on our website. Uh, we actually have a load of conferences that um, have already taken that pledge. And, um, you know, we, it's very easy to start to talk about harassment and abuse as solely online and limit it solely online or even limit it to sexual harassment and abuse, right? That becomes the default approach to a lot of these things. But actually what we've found is, men, women, non-binary people, every single type of human being imaginable is capable of perpetrating abuse and is capable and, and, and could be the victim of that abuse. That can be physical. Um, obviously, that hasn't been over the last year, largely due to, to due to COVID and lockdowns. But, you know, there's been a lot of situations where that has happened. And, you know, th this doesn't extend just to Twitter or just to LinkedIn. This, this is across the board, harassing behavior, behavior in the workplace to employees or to interns that perhaps, you know, uh, deserve, deserve to have that safe space. And I think, you know, we're very, very passionate about trying to involve conferences, but just bringing that awareness across the board that things, you know, are harassment and abuse if that person takes it that way. And I think one other thing that has come out a lot in um, a lot of the interviews we've done, especially with magazines and, and, and whatnot, is people have said, well, how do you differentiate between harassment versus a joke or harassment versus, um, you know, something innocent that was taken the wrong way? And this is a really valid question. And it's a really gray area. And it's a gray area that a lot of the, the law in the United Kingdom, in the United States, across Europe, has really struggled to grapple with. However, we would argue that in this current situation, we have cases of absolutely outrageous abuse and harassment that is nowhere near that gray line whatsoever. And if we can just get rid of that, we have improved the industry exponentially. 100%. And I think from feeding on from that, it, it, inclusion is really important. And that's just as much about respect insecurity is what harassment is and you know during lockdown I noticed that a lot of people that I work with in my day job um we would do like zoom chats or zoom beers and things like that and there were certain people that I know that I've been there in person many times before for many years that were never on these zoom chats and because they didn't drink for religious reasons they were never invited now I'm back out in person meeting these people and I've you know I've said to them I said oh god I missed you last year do you know I mean, didn't see you at all? And they're like, we were never invited. Now, th that group of people that didn't invite them, they didn't invite them because they thought they were doing the right thing. But by not inviting them because they thought they would offend them because they were all drinking and we, you know, we were having beers on Friday nights, we were stuck at home in our pajamas. It, having done that, by, by doing what they thought was right as a sales team, in fact, what they'd actually done is completely excluded four people who are part of that team and it felt really really rubbish for them and the worst thing was on a Monday when they all like have their sales meeting on the Monday morning everybody would be on the zoom you know in all their little boxes like the Muppet show all talking about what great beers it was on Friday there's four people sat in that zoom call that they'll then feel completely segregated and isolated that's as much 
about you know what we're about respecting security as it is about harassing somebody it's it's the same thing just think about your actions and think about how they could be perceived how they could be perceived we all know people in the industry that we're friends with and we know we know what the boundaries are if you're in a group of people where you don't know where the boundaries are just double think before you make that joke and I think that brings me on to one other point that I really really think is important to mention and I think you know a lot of us have been in a situation, and I include myself in this, where someone has been called out online. Someone has said, this person has done something horrendous to me. Let's all pile on them, um, chase them down, um, criticize them publicly, and so on and so forth. I've been involved in that. Um, I regret the actions that I took. I thought I was defending a friend historically and I've done that I'm, I'm guilty of that and I'm, I'm sure most people have witnessed or been part of those things and one reason before respecting security is to say actually Twitter for example is not a court and people who are on Twitter are not a jury that's not what our purpose is we don't have the right to pass judgment chase somebody off uh, Twitter make them delete their accounts dox them even if we think that that is completely justified there is more appropriate avenues to go down to seek some sort of um, action against somebody who you believe has harassed you, abused you, wronged you in some capacity that was uh, sort of out of order. And so I think we really want to sort of get that, that sort of get rid of that mob mentality as well, that people think is justified because essentially it boils down to trolling in the exact same way. You, you almost then become... If, if, if you become involved in pylons on social media, my personal opinion is you've almost become as bad as the perpetrator because by attacking that person that you believe has done something wrong, and don't forget that that person that they've actually done it to, there's always two sides to a story, so you don't know the full story there. It's on Twitter, and you all then pile on and attack this person. All that group of people that think they're doing a good thing have actually now become the bad guy, and they're just they're, they're perpetrators. You've gone, you've trolled somebody, you've, you've hounded them because they've done something that you believe is wrong. However, in your reaction to that, by piling on like that, you've now become as bad as that person. Exactly. I mean, I just think of, you know, when, when someone is being under attack, they get defensive. They're not listening. When, when we're being attacked, usually we will, we'll yell back even louder, right? Or we'll like, we will defend ourselves. And that ends up being a situation where communication isn't happening anymore. We're not having a recognized listening conversation. And so it's, you don't really do too much when it comes to change, because the thing is you're trying to call out this person for them to recognize what they did, but at the same time, they're embarrassed and concerned and scared. And so they get defensive. And then this becomes one of those things where the person may never be able to you know, get back out there and, and so on. And so it's good to have these conversation in so many ways, but it is one of those things that, that I feel like it's incredibly easy for people to do. Um, and so what are some other suggestions that you have for those that would usually call someone out on Twitter? What can they do instead? I would personally say refrain from passing judgment and then passing judgment publicly. If you have an issue with someone, ideally send them a message and discuss it with them privately. It doesn't need to be a big public display. 
Um, if someone has harassed you or abused you or whatever, go onto our website, look at the signposting that's available of the options you have to go and seek some sort of uh, um, sort of avenue for, for relief from that. Um, but don't go and, and sort of publicize it and encourage others to come and help you sort of hold someone to account. Because like I said, we're not a jury, we're not a court, we're not a judicial system. Those things are already in place in every country we live in. That is not Twitter. Love it. All right, so my next few questions is for everyone, which is how can people get involved, individuals, and then we already covered how can companies get involved, which is basically take a look at the pledge, review it with HR, review it with your team, and then go forward with it, make, making those policy changes. Um, but what can people in our community also, how can they get involved? So in the community, how can they get involved? So if you don't like your employers, you know, basically roots are... Um, for complaint about individuals within the firm, etc. You don't think that they are particularly inclusive culture, or you don't think they really listen to employees' negative negative comments, basically, um, then maybe encourage your HR department or your manager, or if you're close enough to the seaboard to basically take take the pledge. Um, as an actual individual though, just take the pledge and the individual pledge and you know just agree that we work in the security arena um and that it should be a safe and secure and supportive place for us all to be um and ensure that your behavior actually upholds that belief i think that's quite important and also just to agree to not harass or abuse others and it sounds like a really simple thing well i've said it numerous times to my kids and they're like but that that's just what we do mum as human beings and it's like no i think we've become so so we've lost all inhibitions behind a keyboard. We suddenly become, yeah, warriors, so to speak. And we do forget to be kind. And we do forget, you know, that one comment, that person, I put actually put a post out about it today because I saw some really horrible stuff on Twitter this morning. And I think that one comment to that person, you have no idea what that person's going through at the moment. That could be the tipping point. Do you really want that on your conscience? Think about what you're saying and just, just be kind and be a decent person. Uh, completely on that front. I think the one thing that people tend to forget is that you don't know what you're going to say, how that's going to impact someone. And I've definitely have had conversations where folks are, you know, literally scared to be online and scared to be in the community because of what has happened to them or a comment, they receive a comment and they just keep thinking about it. And then they have suicidal tendencies in that comment just destroyed them as a person and, that and it's, that's it's that's, sorry Chloe that in no. itself is harrowing when you think about the last 18 months and there are so many people so many people globally that have been actually shut away on their own you know in a complete isolation complete lockdown and probably the only friend that they've really got is through you know their computer their laptop their tablet their phone and then to to, to them feel like that, like that they've done something wrong online or, and it, it's the worst thing in the world. And I agree completely with what Lisa said earlier. I mean, I, I've, I've been known to stick my two pen thin. Um, I'm not backward in coming forward. I'm not embarrassed about that. However, I do now think twice before I post something, because if you're that person that is sat on their own and they are, you know, in such a really, really bad 
place. Just that one comment tips them over the edge. That's just horrific. If they've come to Twitter, you know, for support, for, for just company, anything like that, they might not have anybody. And then to have a dog pile go on them like that and then something really bad happens, how, how would that make everybody feel? Nobody would feel great about that. So just don't do it. Just just always think you never know what that person is going through. You've got no idea what their situation is. Just be kind. Yeah, and, and I would add to that. And, um, you know, um, we, we as an individual, you know, if whether whether it's you who's affected or maybe it's somebody who you know has been affected or is experiencing sort of abuse or harassment, you know, we, we again, on our website, um, you know, the, there's a, a section where, you know, you have a bunch of resources you can head to. And, um, you know, Nikki is uh, an active member of one of these organizations we list there called the Cyber Helpline um, in the UK. And, you know, there you can sort of, you know, depending on what what it is that you're going through, you know, you have a whole host of um, contacts and organizations that can hopefully, you know, help you at least during the initial phases. And so whether that's for you or somebody you know, you know, it's, it's worth having a look at our website um, for those resources as well. And it's important to note as well, respecting security. If, if you're a member of the security community, you're never alone. And I think that's really important. And I think if we can end this interview on anything is the fact that we've done this to make sure that nobody in the security industry ever feels isolated, alone, and like they've got no, you know, they've got no route basically to help them. No one's ever alone. I think this is the perfect moment to end things. And thank you all so much uh, for actually taking action about this situation. I know myself and many others are completely grateful for that because we've all had that moment where we are looking at a rotating door and just wondering if we're next um, because of everything that has happened in our industry in many ways. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. If anyone wants to get involved, go check out respectinsecurity.org to learn more and also get your company to sign the pledge. It is the bare minimum that you can actually do to try to make a difference today. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Changemaking Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.